Uh, grab your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Um, Luke chapter 18, and, and I want to continue in, I almost hate to call it a series, even though it's a series, but I want it to be like, a, like, a, like, our, like our culture, if you will, like almost one of the, one of the cap cornerstones, not, not to replace Jesus, but I think Jesus is the reason anything is possible, so I guess that could work technically, but, but I don't want us to, to, to ever back up from or dismiss, I, I just want us, you know what I'm saying, like sometimes I don't really have words to explain it, but anything is possible is the point. Because of Jesus, anything is possible. I mean, he said it himself. With God, all things are possible. And so that's what we're talking about. And, and, and hopefully you've tracked along with us the last couple of weeks. And I want to continue in that, that vein, if you will, today of anything is possible. And, uh, and I want to talk about prayer. And I know sometimes, and I don't think it's this way at our church, actually. I think when we talk about prayer at our church, I've found our people really get excited. Uh, I was about to say, sometimes you talk about prayer, people are like, oh, it's prayer. But I've not really had that experience with Pathway. Like, we talk about prayer, and people kind of lean in, like, oh, I want to hear God, and I want to pray, and and just thank you for that. <laughs> thank you that that's your heart. Um, but I, I want to talk about prayer, because I think the the road, I put this out on social media, if you want to follow my social media, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, plug, if, if you don't follow me, make sure you follow the church so you know what's going on. Um, but I put this out on social media, because they asked for a, a quote or something, and and uh, and so I, I just it's hit me, and I just sent it to him. Um, but I, I I put the the road to breakthrough is paved in prayer, and and I I really believe that. Like I don't I don't think you can really in a lot of situations, I don't think you can get to breakthrough without prayer. It's so necessary and vital. Um, and it's an incredible, at the same time, prayer, if you think about it, it's an incredible, not just an incredible tool, but it's an incredible opportunity. And that's really what, what I want to kind of show you today is this incredible opportunity in prayer. Um, and so Luke 18, verse 1, it says, um, this is, Jesus is in Capernaum. He's about halfway through his ministry. He's teaching on prayer. And so he tells, he's talking to his, his disciples. And so Jesus told his disciples a parable. The word parable means uh, truth uh, thrown along, to throw alongside, to throw alongside. So, um, so it, that's parable. And so the para is to pair it, right? Um, to pair something. And so what he's doing is he's throwing a story alongside truth to help you understand truth, right? And so, so he, he tells them this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up and not give up. Uh, New King James, if you're old school, it, it said, he, he told him this parable so that men would know they ought, he used the word ought, ought always to pray and not to faint. And, and I love that. It's always circled in my Bible and I have several different Bibles, but it's circled in there because it reminds me if I'm fainting, it may be because I'm not praying. If, I, if I'm getting weary, like those who wait upon the Lord will renew their, this is somebody's word for today. You're like writing this down. This is yours. Wait upon the Lord. He'll renew your strength. You'll mount up with wings as eagles. So, you know, you run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's your word. Like may, maybe, maybe you're feeling faint and, and this is not a con, condemning thing. Maybe you're not feeling, maybe you're feeling faint because there's so much God wants to do and he's inviting you to prayer and that prayer is going to renew and energize you, right? Do you see what I'm saying? And so, so to me, I like, that old school, like men ought always to pray and not to faint because it's a reminder to me because sometimes I feel faint. <laughs> Anybody ever felt that? Like, oh, Jesus, Lord, have mercy. 
<laughs> and so it, it reminds me, like, maybe I need to pray a little bit. Um, so he said, said, in this version, I'm reading, men should always pray and not give up. And he said, a certain town. So he's about to give a parable, and, and he's about to do a comparison through con- contrast. So he's going to do a contrasting comparison um, and, and so he's going to talk about an unjust judge. In a certain town, there was a judge. This is the unjust judge who didn't fear God or care about people. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about people, yet because this woman keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. <laughs> I just like this version. Like, I never really noticed that because I typically read different versions. But anyways, I was like, I never really noticed. Like, he was fearing for his life. Like, this woman, this woman was tough, y'all. I'm saying, <laughs> that's how some of y'all look in prayer. I think, <laughs> like, <laughs> y'all start praying. The devil's like, I'm out. I'm gone. Get me out of this. Oh. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And he says, so he wants you to pay attention to what the unjust judge says. So he's, he's making a point. Remember, he's throwing a story to get us to understand truth. But then he kind of switches now to God. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you. So th- in other words, he's like, listen to me. Like if he's already talking and then he stops, have you ever, ever you know, somebody say, listen, listen, I'm telling you the truth. And you're like, were you lying to me before? You know, but they're, they weren't lying to you, but they're trying to get your attention that this is important. Like this is a, this is truth. This is really, really, really good. And so this is what Jesus, I mean, this kind of like, he's already talking. He's like, I'll tell you the truth. It's like, listen, Linda, you know, listen to me. You're not listening to me, Linda. And so and some of you are like, who's like, you got to watch on YouTube. It's funny. Anyways, um, it's a slow point. Listen, you're not listening to me, Linda. But anyways, um, it's cute, you know, unless it's your kid, then it's like totally disrespectful. But because it's their kid, it's like really cute. Have you ever had that experience? Anyways, anyway. But he says, I tell you, listen, I tell you the truth. He says, I'm telling you, he will see this. God will see that they get justice and quickly. Somebody may need to underline that in your Bible. And quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth. I, I call this message, and sometimes I feel like God gives me creative license with my titles. And so that's where I usually like have a song title or something like that, you know, and, and that's fun for me because I think in songs most of the time. Uh, my life is a soundtrack. Anybody else have a soundtrack? Yes, sir. Hey, this is a word for somebody. Um, depending on your season, you may need to change your soundtrack. That'll help you. Just let it heal you. Um, but there are times I need to change my soundtrack, right? Because there are times it's like I need to be listening to I'm going to see a victory and Jesus is my deliverer, right, instead of James Brown or something like that. You know, Funky Town is good, but, you know. <laughs> but sometimes you need to change your soundtrack. S- sometimes changing your soundtrack. Oh, this is so good. This is not my notes. This is going to help somebody. Maybe you're online. You put a little fire emoji in there, but... Sometimes um, changing your soundtrack can change your season. I mean, we sing it. Praise before my breakthrough. What, what, what's, what's the author of the song saying? Change your soundtrack. It changes your season. 
man, I feel this one. This is good. Like, I don't even know what the message was again. What were we talking about? Prayer. And so, um, <laughs> um, by the way, if you're watching this online, go ahead and share this or have a watch real quick because somebody might need to hear that. And like maybe they can go back and watch. From, I don't know how all that works. But if you're on Facebook, share it. Like if you're on YouTube, if you can share the link. I don't know how that works. Anyways, um, if you're part of the stream team, just put in the chat how they can share it because y'all can help them because you are smart. And so um, I don't know what I was saying, but that was so good. Um, so we're talking about prayer. And, uh, and so here is this comparison. Oh, the message title. So I call the message title because I think sometimes this was it. Thanks for reminding me, Holy Spirit, because y'all just left me out there. <laughs> like, we ain't helping you preach or figure it out. <laughs> Smart man with a microphone. Um, <laughs> I feel like sometimes God gives me creative license with my sermon titles. And then sometimes he's like, no, tell them this. Like, tell them this. And this is one of those, no, tell them this. So the sermon title is so simple, but it's, it's actually a word for you. It's good for you. Because I took it right from this version. And here's the sermon title. Never give up. Like whatever you're praying about, what, whatever you need, never give up. Like write that down. Never put it in the chat. Never give up. Never give up. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, speak. Change our lives forever. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, <clears throat> But I've only got two points. It never makes the message shorter. There's nothing on earth, apparently, except there is a second coming of Christ that can make one of my messages shorter. <laughs> I accept it. I have issues. I have problems. Just pray for me. Um, <laughs> but, but when you're talking about this parable, before I could get to the points, which I think are really important, I thought you need to understand that he's given us a comparison. So almost in the contrasting of the unjust judge is, is, is a picture of God. It's like God becomes the antithesis because a lot of people interpret this and they, and some people interpret it wrongly. And I, I don't mean that they mean to be wrong, but, um, but they say, you know, this tells us in prayer, we just have to keep begging God and eventually we'll wear God out. If we wear God out, eventually he'll give us what we asked for. And the whole thing is like, well, he doesn't sound like a good, good father then. So we can't sing that worship song because my kids, I mean, if they need something or want something, they don't have to wear me out. Now we've all been worn out by a kid that wanted something they didn't need, you know, and they just kept on, you know, but uh, right. We've had that experience. Um, but, but that's not, that's not what he's, he's actually trying to give us a picture of God through, through looking almost at an opposite of this unjust judge. And so I just want to do this comparison and, and look at the differences of God and this judge because the differences of the judge tell us a little bit about God that I think really changes prayer for us. And then I want to look at a couple of similarities. Just take a second if you'll play along. But the first thing is that this unjust judge doesn't regard man. He has no value for people. And we know that's obviously not God because God paid the most extraordinary price that's ever been paid for you. So God has an incredible value for you. Like, I promise you, you're worth more to God than you think you're worth to God. That's what I can promise you. And so, I mean, Isaiah even said, God will give people and nations in exchange for you. Like, Write that, it's Isaiah 43, go ahead, maybe verse 13 or something like that. Go write that one down. That's a good promise. Like God will give up people for me. 
I don't know how that works and the value of how he values them. I don't care. I've just taken, taken it to the bank what the word of God says, and that is I'm that value. It, it, actually, Isaiah says because he respects, honors, and loves you so much, he will give people, a men in exchange for you and people uh, for you, something like that. That's a rough paraphrase, right? And so here's my question. How much would it change your prayer if the moment you bowed your head, closed your eyes, however, whatever your posture is, or even just the posture of your heart, if, if the moment you bowed your head, it just hits you, I'm like the most valuable thing to him. Instead of like, I don't know if he's really listening. I don't know if he, because the enemy, this is what Satan does, right? Like, I don't know, like he doesn't hear you. He doesn't listen. He knows what you did last night. You know, he knows what you did last summer. I mean, he is the accuser of the brother, right? He knows what you did five years ago, you know? He knows about the thing in elementary school when you stole the eraser. <laughs> but what would it be like to bow your head and have the Holy Spirit remind you you are the most valuable thing to him in this moment? And so this is the point Jesus is making. Like you're, there, you, you have a value. You have value. I just wish you would hear that. Like you have value to him. Like you are important. Like he regards you. He respects you. Um. So, so the unjust judge didn't have a value for people. Then secondly, he didn't have a desire to act. Because I think sometimes we, we look at God almost like the unjust judge, like I'm trying to convince God to do something. Like he really doesn't want to do anything. Right? Have, have you, is it just me that I've struggled with this or y'all had these thoughts too? Okay, so some of y'all had had these thoughts, right? I don't know about you, but I prayed before and I've thought, I, God, I don't know if you care about this. I don't know if you really, like, maybe if I, I don't know, jump up and down or something. I don't know. I'd just like, hello! You know, like, um, but, but would it change prayer if when you went to pray, you thought the unjust judge didn't desire to act, but look at what Jesus said about God because he, he clarifies, verse 8, he will see that you get justice and quickly. Like God not only wants to move, but he wants to move like Chick-fil-A, like fast chicken. <laughs> right? I mean, it's like they know you're coming. Have you seen how many cars they can get through a Chick-fil-A we were on vacation, and of course, my kids, they want Jesus chicken, and it's anointed with some kind of oil. And um, <laughs> and so we find this Chick-fil-A, we pull off, and the line from the Chick-fil-A is not just around the Chick-fil-A, it's around the Chick-fil-A and out into this big parking lot of like this shopping center or mall over here. And there are people directing traffic to get chicken. And at this point, I'm like, I don't care about the chicken. But the Charons wanted Jesus chicken and waffle fries. And I got in that line and I was astounded at how fast they could get us chicken with the rest of the population of that town. I'm telling you, God's, God's quicker than Chick-fil-A. Because he's already cooking on what you're about to order. Oh, my God. You didn't know I could preach Chick-fil-A, did you? Like, and if you're one of, one of the Kathy family right now, um, you can send our endorsement check to Pathway. <laughs> Anyways. But they're closed on Sunday, somebody. I mean, Jesus. Good for them, but bad for us. Anyways, um, 
But God desires, he desires to, I, I don't know if you understand that I got to hurry now. Um, <laughs> I'm so not scripted. Um, John, John 14, 13, look at this, because I referenced it last week, and I want you to see the scripture. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Look at this phrase, very important, that the Father be glorified. You need to understand that God wants to answer prayer, because every answered prayer brings glory to God through what Jesus did. That's what he said, the Father may be glorified in the Son. Let me say it another way. Every time God answers a prayer, he gets what he paid for. Let me say it another way. God has already paid for every answered prayer. So ask whatever you will in my name. Why? That the Father would be glorified in the Son. God wants to answer your prayer more than you want it answered. By the way, these are the words of Jesus. Red letters, right? I don't know who came up with that idea, but I think it was brilliant. So, so there's a value. Like if I go to pray and I think I'm valued and I go to pray and I think God wants to act, he wants to answer. And then look at these two similarities because this is, well, there's a difference. There's these two similarities. Um, number one is the unjust judge, just like the righteous judge, has the power to act. The power to intervene. The power to change. You see that? Like with this widow, she went to him, but why? Because he had authority and power to enact righteousness. Are you with me? And then, then this is where we get to the points. Next similarity. Neither judge acted until they were prayed upon or prayed to. In other words, prayer was necessary for the judge to act. So with that, I just have two points. That was all introduction. <laughs> um, write this down. Prayer isn't just a conversation, but also a catalyst. I think when we talk about prayer, I think sometimes we miss there are different kinds of prayer. Um, and, and not that that's bad, it's just a deeper teaching on prayer. So a lot of times we start at the basic principle of prayer, which is to say, well, prayer is just talking to God. Like if you can talk to God, you can pray. Like you don't have to have a, a degree in theology. You don't have to understand all the Bible, all that kind of stuff. You certainly don't have to be a pastor or work at a church to pray if you can just talk to God. So all of us know how to talk to people. And so if you can say, God, help, then you prayed. You're right. <laughs> it's like, you know, or you say, God, you know, how are you doing today? I, and so, so there's nothing wrong with the idea that prayer is a conversation because there are times I'm driving down, the, if you see me driving down the road, it usually looks like I'm either singing or talking and it's usually to myself or God. So, you know, I talk to myself a lot. I so I don't argue a lot with myself. The few times that I did, I won. But, um, <laughs> but the idea is that sometimes I just need to talk to God about something, Right. And that's a type of prayer. It's conversational. But prayer was also given us to be a catalyst for change. And that's what we see in Luke 18, that there's an injustice and prayer is what brings justice. Prayer is what brings righteousness to the situation. Do, do you see that? So now prayer is a catalyst for change. That's why Paul said, we'll read it in a minute, but I'll say praying with all prayer. Well, if, there has to be more than one kind of prayer for there to be all prayer. 
because there's petitions and there's supplications and there's intercession. I mean, there's, there's different kinds of there's proclamation. I mean, there's confession. I mean, there's different kinds of, of prayer. So when Paul says with all prayer, it's because there are different kinds of prayer. So there's conversational prayer and there's nothing wrong with that. You're driving to work like, God, I hope we have a good day today. Like, God, I hope you have a good day. I hope I have it. I hope you have it. I hope you help me have a good day. That's fine. It's, that's prayer. It's conversational. But in this, in this passage, we see prayer as a catalyst for change. And I want you to understand that prayer is not just talking with God, but it is partnering with God. So it's not just talking, but it's partnering with God. And, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but in the most simplistic, or, or I should say the most popular prayer ever recited, prayed, or known, Matthew 6, when you pray, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, so it's our Father, so there's family, like partnership, who art in heaven, hallowed or holy be, holy is your name. Then look at this, your kingdom come, your will be done. Like, like prayer is an invitation for you to partner with the king to bring his kingdom into the earth. God actually calls us, yeah, God actually calls us into his living room and says, let's pray so your earth can get better. That's good. I like that. Um, it just hit me that way. But I'm like, yeah. So, but we get to partner with God in, in a way that actually changes earth. And, and so it's a partnership. Let me say it this way. There are things that, that, that will not happen unless you pray. But I want to go a step farther just to make the point. There are things that God wants to happen that will not happen if you don't pray. It's not just an opportunity. Prayer now is a responsibility. I mean, we're all looking at our nation, and our nation is messed up. Right? It's bad in every way. I mean, just this week, uh, the, 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 had another shooting and trying to figure out what's going on in our world, and then you have the, you do have some peaceful protests, then you have some, non-peaceful protest and, and we have COVID and then we have an election and hurricane. Yeah. I mean, and you're just like, wow, this is crazy. And then, and then like as a pastor, you think, man, I probably need to talk to all these issues. Like I probably need to talk to the election, which is going to make everybody mad, you know, because as soon as a pastor mentions something about politics, that's usually a bad day. Um, <laughs> I need to talk about the hurricane. We need to be praying for the people who are trying to rebuild their lives. And, and then, you know, then there's the shooting, there's social injustice and it's a legitimate issue. And, um, and then there's COVID and it's, we're all like trying not to get COVID and just trying to survive. And, and then there's the election and dear God, every time there's an election, I think 300 million Americans and this is the cream of the crop. Like, this is what we got to vote on right here. Like, there's gotta be somebody else. Jesus. I'm sorry, but that, at least that's neutral because I put it all together and you can't be mad at me because I just put it all together. So if you're on this side, you're like, that's right. That's terrible, man. And if you're on this side, you're like, that's right. That's terrible, man. Either way, I made you happy. <laughs> and, and I just thought, you know what the answer is for all of it? Like I, I could spend the rest of my life trying to speak to all these issues or I could just tell you about the kingdom of God. 
And according to Matthew 6, you know how the kingdom gets here? You pray. Like we pray brings the kingdom. The kingdom is the answer. There's no, there's no social injustice in the kingdom. Neither Greek, nor Jew, nor slave, nor free. Come on. Are, are you with me? Wait, let's get, get, get the kingdom. I, I want you to understand this, that, that, and this is a little bit deep, but I want you to understand. So she goes to this unjust judge and she's wanting justice. Why? Because there's, and remember we talked about this, what does the kingdom do? The prescription of the kingdom is that the kingdom makes what is wrong so the kingdom brings righteousness. So what is justice? Justice is the execution of righteousness. That's why God is completely just and righteous. His justice is what, by the way, his justice is the reason you're righteous. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. God is righteous, making you righteous because Jesus became your sin. Your sin was punished. So because your sin was paid for, it is the justice of God that makes you righteous. Are you trying? It's so good. Are you tracking with me? Like before you accept Christ and you, you don't, you don't, you're not a believer, then the wages of sin are death. So justice is death for you because you've not accepted the atoning sacrifice of Christ. So God is just in allowing, right, the penalty of sin to fall upon you because by faith you've not received Christ. Are you with me? So it's the justice of God that has sentenced you if you're an unbeliever. Like this is gonna sound a little sharp. I'm sorry, I don't know another way to say it because it's completely scripturally accurate. But it's the justice of God that sentences you to eternal death. You can call it hell. You can call it separation from God, whatever you want to call it, but it's eternal death. And, it's, and God is just in doing that because your, your penalty is on you because you've not accepted the atoning sacrifice. So it is the justice of God, the wages of sin or death, right? Like sin pays really well and it pays on time. But once you believe and you receive the sacrifice of Jesus... God is completely just in making you righteous by your faith in Jesus. So now it is the, the reason God, once you believe in Jesus and you're, you're a true follower, I'm not saying you just pray to prayer or whatever, but I mean, you're a follower of Jesus. You have faith in God. Once you're over here, God will not punish you for your sin because that would be unjust because your sin was paid for. Are, are you with me? Because you're, you're made righteous by faith in what Jesus did. He became sin and God punished your sin and now God will not punish you for sin and for God to punish you for sin would be unjust. Okay? So, so when we go to God in prayer, we are praying for something wrong to be made right. So we're asking him to be just and his justice executes his righteousness. Are you with me? Now, now we need to figure out, well, what's unjust? Better question. What wasn't paid for? Because anything that Jesus paid for, it would now be just and the justice of God to execute it, to make it right. So we are 
partnering with the just judge because something's wrong and legally it has been paid for so that it can be right. Like this is prayer. Are you with me? And so when the Bible says like, he was wounded for our transgression. Well, that's how we all started. Jesus paid for our sin. So now it's the justice of God that I made right because of my faith in Jesus. And it's actually the justice of God is the reason I'll never be punished for my sin because he is just, right? And then he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. I mean, this is just, I mean, there's lots of scripture. I'm just giving you Isaiah 53 because it's messianic and everybody understands it. But he was bruised for our iniquity. So now the, broken, the brokenness of my soul so any place in here where I'm broken, it would be just for God to make it right. You see what I'm saying? So if I'm broken in here, this is a place for prayer because the justice of God wants to make that right. So he's wounded for trans, bruised for iniquity, the chastisement that brought our peace. So that, that word obviously being shalom, it's a, it's a word of reconciliation to bring two together, which is the whole picture. We come together with God. But, but also, it, it means wholeness, soundness of body, mind and spirit, prosperity, health. And so it has all those things. So let me just say this. If I'm struggling with anxiety, and I have, if I'm struggling with anxiety, it's unjust. Because it was paid for. So this is a place where I need justice to execute righteousness. He himself, Paul said in Ephesians, he himself is our peace. The peace of God is not the removal of my circumstance. It's the presence of God in my circumstance. Right? And then, and then by his stripes, we are healed. If I'm sick, diseased, or in bad health, that's unjust. I have grounds now to go to the judge and say there's an injustice here, just like the widow. This is unjust. I need you to execute righteousness. I need the kingdom to come and make something right. Are you, are you getting it? Like this, this is prayer. That's so good. Prayer, listen, prayer releases the justice, or you can say it this way. Prayer releases the ability of God in your life, the ability of God in your earth. <laughs> Like, like, look at this. 1 John 5, 14. Everybody knows this. I don't know if you thought about it this way. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will. Whose will? Whose will are we talking about? God has a will. But look at this. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And verse 15 says, and then, and then we know if he hears us that whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions or, the, or, or what we ask from him. Do you know what this implies? God had a will that wouldn't happen until you prayed. Like we're all saying, well, I don't know. Am I asking in God's will or not asking in God's will? And, and we all sometimes tend to make it about us. But this verse is actually saying, listen, you pray the will of God because God wants his will to happen, but it doesn't happen till you pray. That's why Romans 12, that's why be not conformed to this world, right? Be transformed by the renewing your mind, right? Why? So that you'd be able to prove what is the good, yeah, acceptable and perfect will like being a believer means I get to know his will. Why? So I can, I can partner with him to see his heaven in my earth. <laughs> like I get it. You're like, oh, I know you weren't, you weren't prepared for all these truth bombs today. I guess. All right. 
If you don't believe it, I mean, just think about scriptures we pray. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I'll heal, heal their land. Did God want to heal their land? But did it happen till they humbled themselves and prayed and sought his face? No, it's partnership. Is, is, is what's going on in our nation, is it unjust? A lot of it. Not just the social injustice. There's just a lot of injustice. I mean, right now, and I don't mean this in a bad way, please. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I want to make a point. We are so worried about who's wearing a mask, and we're not worried about all the little children who are sold into sex slavery at all. And the fact that, that many of the people running our country are involved in that. Like, is that it? not unjust, taking children and forcing them into sex slavery? But yet the media is like, we won't talk. And that's probably the one thing that could unite our country because probably every person of sanity believes children should not be sold into slavery for any reason, but especially perverted reasons. So if my people, there's injustice. Are you... Like James, are, are there any sick among you? Let them call on the elders of the church, right? And it says the prayer of faith, raise them up, right? And if they forget, if they commit any sin, it'd be forgiven. In other words, did God want to raise them up? Yeah, but what was the methodology? He needed to partner with the church. I mean, if you just so many, so many scriptures. I mean, Acts 12, like I was thinking, this is so good. By the way, Pastor Eric, when he was here, when I was out on sabbatical, great message on prayer. If you missed that, go back and listen to it. But like it was one of my favorite messages on prayer ever. And it was like right here. It was so good. But he was talking about Acts 12 is where Peter's thrown in prison. And Herod had seized some of the church and he had executed James and he was going to execute Peter. And I just had this thought this week, like because it says that that Peter was imprisoned. Right. But the church was praying. And this is what I think, honestly, like this is crazy, but just a thought, we'll ask God when we get to heaven, I may be wrong, but it is great, something to think about. I wonder if the reason Herod was able to put James to death is the church wasn't praying. But then when Peter was captured, the church started praying because they thought, my God, he may kill him too. And then the angels busted him out. These are just things I think about while I'm driving around town. All right, so, so let me, so I understand this, and I got to hurry because we're not even point two. I told you the message is never shorter. But do you have time for the rest of this? So prayer, think about this, prayer, um, prayer releases the ability of God, but prayer limits the ability of Satan. It's a catalyst. It limits the ability of Satan. Now, if you're here and you're like, I don't believe in devils or Satan, I can't help you. Take it up with Jesus because he apparently believed in them. Um, and y'all can work that out. But I think a lot of people, you know, they say like 70% of college, uh, Bible school graduates today are seminary graduates, cemetery, whatever it was. Anyways, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Sorry, Jesus. Um, they don't believe in a literal hell. They don't believe in demons and all that. And I'm like, you take the half of Jesus' ministry was to oppress people who are oppressed of the devil. Like, Anyways, um, but Ephesians 6, it's where Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Oh, here's a good word for somebody. God's not looking for you to be strong in you. He's looking for you to be strong in him. 
Um, like, I'm trying to be strong. You're working against God. His strength is made perfect in your weakness, not in your strength. Um, but be strong in the Lord. It's a good, that's good right there. I'm going to take that one home for me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? So you'll be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now I'm going to skip down. I'm not going to read this. Um, but but he talks about the spirit. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, spiritual powers. And, you know, and then he says, take up the whole armor of God so you can withstand, you know, um, and then, you know, have in your belt of truth. And it goes all the way down. So I'm going to jump down to verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which is about halfway through the armor of God. Um, and, and which, by the way, if you're like, there's no devil, then why is God issuing armor for him? <laughs> right? You know, if you join the military, they, they, they all of a sudden give you armor, like body armor and guns and stuff. Why? Because there's an enemy. If there's not an enemy, it seems strange that Jesus is issuing all this armor. Just a thought. Anyways, um, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which, uh, so you can extinguish flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we've been talking about here's, here's all your weapons, your armor, but we miss this one. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert in all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. He's talking about how to come against the schemes of the enemy. And sometimes we stop and forget prayer, praying all times, all, all, at all times with all prayer. He's like this, like if you're going to come against the enemy, you need prayer. Why? Because prayer, we have authority over all the power of the enemy. So prayer is a lot of times how we exercise authority over the power of the enemy who's warring against our lives. Do you, do you see that? And so prayer, not, not only, let me give you this verse. This is so cool. I never saw it this way. This is new to me. If it's old to you, act like it's new to you and that'll help me. Luke 22, this is Jesus, right? Talking to, to Peter, Luke twenty two thirty one. 31, it says this. And, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, look at this. Indeed, Satan has asked for you that, that he may sift you as wheat. So he wants to destroy you, right? He wants to break you apart. Then look what Jesus said. But I have prayed for you. Look at this. Because Jesus is talking about his, this is what he did on the earth as, as a believer, as a son of God, as a follower, as man, right? This is what he did. Like, this is not talking about some heavenly promise. It's talking about something that took place on the earth. Here's what he said. The enemy wanted to destroy you. The enemy had a will. He had a plan. He had a scheme. I prayed. And now he doesn't get to destroy you. And I'm just saying, in your life, the enemy has a plan. <laughs> He wants to destroy you. Are you praying? Because prayer limits his ability. Okay, point three, and I'm already in the red numbers, which is not, doesn't mean Jesus is talking. It means I went too long. <laughs> Just pray for your preacher. Just say, God bless him. Boy, he's got problems, but he's, he's okay. Um, <clears throat> I think, okay, so prayer is not just conversation, it's catalyst, but also a catalyst. Here's the second thing, write this down. Uh, prayer isn't, the, the power, prayer's power isn't in practice, but in principle. There are a lot of P's in there. Prayer's power isn't in practice, but in principle. Here's what I mean by that. The power of prayer is not in the form. It's in the understanding of what it is. So it's, it's not in the practice. You know, Jesus, remember he's talking and he said, you know, they go pray and they ramble and ramble and ramble and they think they're going to be heard because they just keep saying the th same things over and over and over and over again. And he's trying to make the point. That's not prayer. That's rambling. 
And the point that I'm trying to make is, is that sometimes there again, and, and just follow me, it, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like church services. Church services can be about the traditions or the way we've always done things. And they can kind of center around that. Well, like we have, we sing for this long and then we talk, you know, then the man gets up and talks for this long and then we go eat the chicken. Like we kind of talked about that while ago, right? And, and I'm not trying to say anybody does it that way, but I'm just saying if we were all just brutally honest, probably we've been in a religious service where we're like, is God even here? Because the agenda, by God, we've done it this way since 1837 when this church was constituted and commissioned, and we're not changing for nobody, including the Holy Spirit. And, and what happens is when there's not presence, we embrace form. Like there's the, the way we follow God, you can follow God's presence or you can embrace form. And we were always supposed to be a people of presence, not of form. But when there's no presence, we fall into form. Right? Um, when, let me give you an analogy. So when, you remember this? Remember this? Um, when, when the Philistines capture the ark and then it gives them all tumor, tumors and rats, which is like one of the greatest stories in the Bible. Like devil, try to steal guy, you're going to mess you up. <laughs> And so they send, send it back to God. And the way they kind of was trying to figure out if God had broken out against them was they put it on a new cart and they had it pulled by these oxen, right? And then it just went all the way. It, like the, the, the oxen who had never pulled anything or whatever, I don't remember the term for it. Anyways, they just head home. Like they're going to Jerusalem because that's where the presence of God is supposed to be, right? And they're like, holy cow, this was God. So then David wants to bring the ark into Jerusalem. And if you look, he puts the ark on a new cart with the saint. He uses the world's form to move the presence. And that's when Uzziah, they, they stumble. He touches the ark. He's dead. Everybody's confused. And then David goes back to the presence of God. And God's like, my presence has to be carried on the shoulders of my Levites. Like they are, it's, it's not an ox of his presence. It's people of his presence. Like if you want the presence to come, it has to be shouldered by the people. And so then he comes back and they put the, show, they put the presence of God on their shoulders and bring God's presence in. In other words, like there was a form and then there was a presence. Are you with me? And, and, and so the, what happens when, when we're unsure, when we're not connected, when we're not listening, when we're not in, in, in the zone, if you however you want to say it, when we're not flowing with God, we will, we will institute and commission form when there's a lack of presence. And then some people get stuck in form. And in our prayer life, if we're not careful, sometimes we get stuck in form because there's not presence and breakthrough. And the joy of the believer, I'm going to give you the scripture in a minute, but the joy of the believer is supposed to be in breakthrough, not in form. But when I'm not seeing breakthrough and I'm not experiencing presence, many times we default to the religiosity of form because we find some security in form when we can't find power and breakthrough. It's kind of our default. It's not that it's wrong. It's just kind of the way that we go. And, and because of that, if we stay there too long, we get stuck in form and we argue about form and we argue about tradition and, and all of it was because we, we didn't get breakthrough and we didn't have presence. So let me, let me show you this. So, so John 16, 24 says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you receive that your joy may be full. So here's what Jesus is saying again. Remember, it brings glory to God for, 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 for him to answer your prayer. Here's what Jesus is saying. You're supposed to ask and receive and have joy there. 
Joy is not supposed to be in form. It's not supposed to be in practice. It's supposed to be in principle of change and transformation and breakthrough. Are, are you with me? That this is what the believer, this is what we're destined for. Not form, breakthrough. Not practice, power. But the problem is the longer we stay stuck in the rut of form, the more we, we lower our faith and expectation that there's ever going to be any change. And now dutifully, we stay with form, never expecting breakthrough. Like, this is so good. I didn't say this earlier, but this is like, I was like, you're doing good, God. You just keep going. Do you see what I'm saying? And because the more we, we, we polarize down, if you will, and our expectations down, and we just think form is all there is, because the enemy will convince you form is all there is. He is not. Listen, your form doesn't scare him. But your faith will. Right? Your form's not scaring him. He's like, man, if all you got is form, that's fine. If all you got is babblings, that's fine. And like Jesus is saying, look, breakthrough is your mark. That, that's your target. Prayer is to get to breakthrough. The end of prayer is breakthrough. It's not the end of prayer is prayer. Okay, I want, I want to give you this. Where did it go? So, so, so this, this widow comes not, not in practice, but in principle. I want to show you these just three principles real quick, and, and I'll just go on this real quick because I want to get to this next thing, and then, and then you can go home and eat chicken, but not Jesus' chicken because they closed. First of all, she came in righteousness. This is principle. She was completely righteous. Why? Because she knew this was unjust and she was right. And um, she knew that she was right in asking for what she was asking. Now, the reason I say that prayer needs to start with righteousness is because the next two, which are boldness and faith, boldness and faith come out of righteousness. The righteous are as bold as a lion. So the three principles that I see, it just real quick, was, was righteousness. She knew she was right. Right? Um, and, then, and then boldness or authority because she knew I'm a right, I'm a citizen in right standing with, with the, say the kingdom, right? For the analogy purpose. And so that's why it's so important. Listen, if you're in prayer and you're being attacked, this is a principle. If you're in prayer and you're being attacked by something you did, guilt, shame, condemnation, whatever, will you just stop for a minute and say, I thank you, God, that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Like, I don't care what the devil came to say today. Your word says, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And that doesn't have to do with my performance. It has to do with the performance of Jesus. And your justice has made me right because of what Jesus has done. It will change your prayer when you're in right standing and you have faith that you're in right standing. And it will make you bold. She came boldly. Like he thought she's going to attack him. Remember that? We read that. <laughs> Cracks me up. But anyways, <laughs> like about to throw down. And say, <laughs> um, but, but she came in her authority because she had the right to ask for justice because there was an injustice. Something was wrong. And she came boldly. 
Isn't there a verse that says something about us coming boldly to the throne room? Why? Because we're citizens of the king. The throne room is dad's living room. And we can come boldly. Are, are you with me? Like, like you know, my daughter's in this service, but I was saying, like, when she's in my house and she wants something to eat, she doesn't come timidly like, Dad, I'm kind of hungry. I don't know if I'm allowed to eat or if you give me any food. No, she's like, Dad, can you make me a sandwich? She's 15. She'd make her own sandwich. But this little girl likes that sandwich made for her, and then she likes it cut. <laughs> There's a certain way you got to cut the sandwich. And so... And I'm okay with that because all my kids grew up too fast. So when they ask me, you know, something like that, I'm like, I'll cut your sandwich, baby. I'll make you a sandwich. Um, but what I'm saying is she comes because it's like, it's, this is dad's house. Dad bought the groceries for me. Like this one, the only reason we have food in this house because I was going to be here. And so there's that, not, not that demanding entitlement like God is your adversary, but, but that boldness to say, hey, Dad, remember what you paid for? I need some of it. Are you with me? And so that's why, yeah. So when you're righteous, you come in boldness, which means you come in faith because you're believing Dad's going to make you sandwich and cut it four ways. <laughs> I had preached Chick-fil-A and sandwiches. Anyways... <laughs> But think about this. She didn't have, do you have time for this? Like I've gone way long and we'll get out of here sometime. But, <laughs> but she didn't come in the faith. Like her faith wasn't in her petition. Her faith was in the power of the judge. She wasn't worried about getting the petition right. She just knew if the judge hears me, he knows I'm right. Are you with me? So I can come in, in boldness and I can come in righteousness and I can come in faith. Now, here's what I love. Jesus says, when, when I return, will I see this kind of faith? What is the faith he's talking about? Persistent prayer. Persistent prayer is, is, is the mark of faith. You see what I'm saying? This whole thing's about faith and prayer. And it says, she just kept coming. Now it says, God, now th this is what we have to fix and then, and then I'll let you go home. Because what we had to fix is, well, wait a second. Why do you have to be persistent if God wants to act quickly? The unjust judge wouldn't act quickly and you pray about something and it doesn't happen. So how, are we supposed to persist and pray? Because I thought if God didn't answer it, then that meant he didn't want to do it. So I'm going to fix all that real quick. Are you ready? Unanswered prayer is not an indication that you should stop praying. Most of the time, it is the indication that you should keep praying. Because unanswered prayer usually means there's opposition to it. If there's opposition to it, it's hell doesn't want it. And if hell doesn't want it, that means God wants it all the more, and so do you. And so many times we look at unanswered prayers, though, well, that means God didn't want to do anything, when truthfully, unanswered prayer is actually the, the marking or the indication that we should persist in prayer. Okay, let me give you two things and then we can be done. So you remember the, Jesus up on the mountain, uh, Mount of Transfiguration with his top three. 
Um, and, and then they come down and there's a commotion at the bottom of the mountain and, and there's this dad and this, uh, demon possessed, um, son and, and, you know, he's got this like dumb mute spirit or something that throws him in the fire and is mean to him and he's convulsing on the ground and, and, and Jesus is like, Hey, what's going on here? Right. Remember this story? And his dad's like, well, this has been happening since he's little. I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't deliver him. And the disciples are confused because they had had success in deliverance ministry. Right. And they're like, we tried, you know, it didn't happen. And so Jesus didn't say, oh, well, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's my will and sometimes just not. Remember, remember, justice means God gets what he paid for. So you need to decide, did he pay for yours too or just somebody else's? Because sometimes we're like, well, God probably paid for theirs, but not paid for mine because they got a breakthrough and I'm not supposed to get one. Because the enemy will convince you of that. Are you with me? And so Jesus didn't say, well, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> and sometimes I want to, sometimes I don't. You know, hey, I hate it for you, you know. Good luck with that. No, what does Jesus do? He delivers the boy. So was the, un think about this, they came with a petition and it wasn't granted. And Jesus didn't say, oh, well, if your petition isn't granted, you stop praying. This man prayed again. Jesus, could you do anything? And Jesus said, can I do anything? Can you believe? Because all things, anything's possible. All things are possible to him who believes. Are you with me? And then think about this. And then the disciples say, maybe you could help us with this, Jesus, because why didn't it work? And he said, this time comes out by, this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. In other words, when you're praying and you're not seeing breakthrough, pray some more. Get closer to God, not farther away. Don't blame him and let the enemy villainize God for you. Don't let him make God a villain. Listen, if the enemy can make God the villain, you've already become the victim and you've lost. But just say, no, we need to persist in prayer. Okay, one scripture to back this up. Matthew 7, verse 7. So Jesus is talking about prayer and he said, ask. Remember this one? Ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Right? A lot of people have questions about this verse. I saw it a little bit differently this week. But um, what, what you know is ask and seek and find. All the, I mean, and knock. Ask, ask, seek, and knock. All those verbs are, in, if you look in the original Greek, uh, they're present ongoing. Meaning ask and keep asking. Some translations will actually translate it this way. If you have, it depends, I can't remember which ones do it that way. But it'll say ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. And, and so now the question is, well, man, if God wants it and I want it, why do I keep asking? Why do I have to keep seeking? What is asking? What's seeking? What's the difference between asking, seeking, and knocking? Well, let me break it down. I think the best way to interpret the Bible is let the Bible interpret the Bible because when the Bible interprets the Bible, it usually stays right. When man starts interpreting the Bible, that can get pretty, pretty weird. You get some weird stuff out there, right? By the way, if you're reading a book that contradicts the Bible, throw the book away. <laughs> Don't try to make the Bible fit in some theologians. Anyways, that's just a tidbit. All right, ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking out. Okay, so what does ask mean? Well, Jesus said, whatever you ask for in prayer. So when we're talking about asking, we're talking about petitions in prayer, right? All right, so, so we go, we ask, you know, Lord, this is what we need. We're asking for intervention, ask for help, peace, whatever it is. Seek, well, what is seeking? Seek first the kingdom. So God, we're, we're asking and while we're asking, we're looking, we're seeking for righteousness, for what's wrong to be made right. 
We're petitioning and seeking your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, what is knocking? Well, what do you, what do you knock on? What do you knock on? Come on, it's not a hard question. Don't let me trick you. It's really not a trick question. What do you knock on? Yes, right. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Hey, 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 hey. You know you wanted to sing along. Are we allowed to sing that in church? We are today. <laughs> um, you knock on doors. All right, we're going to let the Bible interpret doors. Paul said to the, to the Corinthians, there is a door that has been opened to me in trous for the gospel. What's that? The message of the kingdom. Here's what he's saying. A door was opened for heaven. Think about this. For the ministry. What is ministry? Ministry means to administrate. Ministry is to administrate the kingdom, right? If you, if you go to a kingdom, they have a minister of defense. He administrates the defense department and defends the, the nation, right? So Paul said, door's been opened for ministry. So a door, spiritually, a door has been opened where I can administrate the kingdom. Here's what he's saying. A door opened so heaven can come to earth. Like I'm going to trials because finally there's been a door open so that his will could and his kingdom could like it was closed, but we just kept asking. <laughs> like it was shut up, but we just kept seeking. Like God wanted to move, but the door was closed. Oh, I wish you'd apply this to your life right now. Like there's, there's a door that's been shut and I know it's God's will and God knows it's his will and I've been asking and I've been seeking and the message is don't give up. Just keep knocking on the door because it will open eventually and heaven will come in. Oh, if I had room, I'd run right now. I'm telling you the truth. Don't give up. Keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking because sometimes heaven has, a, has an agenda and God has a will, but earth is obstinate and we have to pray until the door opens so heaven can come to earth. That is why we are here. Are you with me? I got my cardio in for today. I'm done. Where's the ice cream? <laughs> you got to understand, like, this is why Daniel prayed. And he just kept praying for 21 days. Why? He was knocking on the door. And earth was saying, keep it knocking, but you can't come in. <laughs> so you're old school. You're like, yeah, that's a song. And... <laughs> All the young people are like, I a song? I hadn't heard that song. You need to listen to the classics. <laughs> listen. But earth was being obstinate, and Daniel just kept praying until finally heaven, heaven's answer invaded earth. This is why you don't give up. You're not trying to move God. You're trying to move earth. You pray because you're trying to get the justice of God to enact the righteousness of God in a planet that is set against God. That's why you keep praying. 
That's why you don't give up. Amen. All right, while you stand, we'll call that good. I'm going to go back and listen to this one myself. <laughs> Got me all kinds of excited. Like, don't give up. Don't let the devil convince you God's not going to do it. Don't let the devil convince you you're not valuable. Don't let the devil convince you you don't matter. Don't let the devil convince you that you got to beg God or God's not really interested. No, don't give up. He values you. He wants to move. He has the power to move. It's your partnership with him that, that lets him and allows him a place to move. You got to see that. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for prayer. God, we thank you so much for your grace, for your love, for your goodness. God, that you're in this room with us and that you care and you value and you love. God, you got a will for us that is good, a hope and a future for us that we'll enjoy. And then, God, to give us this opportunity of prayer where we can partner with you to see those things come into our lives and come into our world is just extraordinary. Or you take a moment, your head bowed, and just ask God where you're at. Just say, God, what, what do you want to say to me today? Like, what do you want to say to me today? Holy Spirit, I just pray, I pray you'd speak to, to every person in this room. Every person. With your heads bowed and uh, you're not looking around, just listening, hopefully for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Even if you're at home listening for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Um, I just want to stop while we're listening and just say, maybe you're in this room or maybe you're in your living room and you don't really have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not asking if you understand religion. I'm not asking if you understand doctrine. I'm not asking um, if you can explain Christianity. I'm asking when you search your own heart, do you have a genuine relationship with Jesus? Like an authentic like re relationship, not an understanding. Because that's what he died to give you. Actually, Jesus died to give you the same relationship with God that he has. That's why we call him Father. And if you're not certain that's what you have, or maybe you know, like, that is not what I have, I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. No one's looking around. But whether you're in this room or you're in another room via video, I want you to do this simple thing, and that is if you're here and you're like, I want a relationship with Jesus, I just want you to lift your hand. No one's looking around. But even if you're all by yourself in, in your bedroom, I want you to lift your hand because it says, God, here I am. This is what I want. I want a relationship with you. And if you're lifting your hand, it's just you start a conversation where you tell him that's what you want. It's just simple. Like, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died and rose again. I want a relationship with you. So forgive me of any wrong I've done. Wash me clean and make me right with you. And then help me to follow you. And God, I just pray as they pray that prayer, you would do everything they asked. You would reveal yourself to them. You transform them, God. You just give them hope and love and light and life. And then, God, for all of our church, God, just help us not to give up, but to keep praying. Men should always pray and never give up. God, help us to pray and not give up, 
in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on. Yeah, come on. Make a little noise. All right. Listen, I love you so much, but you got to go get your kids or they're all going to be mad at me. Anyways, I love you. Go get your cheerings. And uh, man, go take over the world. You, you are you are right with God. He loves you, values you. Go, t- go take over the world. Change the world. We love you. We'll see you next weekend.